Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of After Further Review, I should say, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there is Mark Ferrer, John Pelkey, Derek Abbott joining us, previewing the championship game weekend. Jeff Taylor is our producer as well. And uh, we've got a great show for you because Derek Abbott is here and he's going to break down the uh, the two games um, like no one else. John, we get our, our most viewers. We got our most interest. Yep. We get the most ev- everything, frankly, when Derek joins us, and we're so happy to have him back here. Uh, he will be out of pocket, per se, tomorrow, flying across the country, uh, and so he will not be here uh, to uh, to give us his wisdom. Derek, how are you, first of all? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so you're now home in Orlando from, from Coast Guard Academy. I am, yes. Yep. How, how, how was all that, how was all that travel and how you doing right now? It was, uh, it was interesting to say the least, just going through all the different airport protocols. It's still so different, no matter how many times I fly. Um, and I think every time that I come back down here, Orlando international gets even worse. So, um, it's like, it's like walking through the Florida mall with planes. I mean, it's unbelievable oh, now, it's, oh, but, it's horrible. but yeah, it was, it was good. Um, I had a really good week this past week with our guys, uh, met with some of them, try to find a vision and the goal for this upcoming year, and then uh, had a great recruiting meeting too. So uh, we're, we're getting out in front of things and, and really looking forward to hopefully a normal season this year. Yeah, it's got to be just so difficult because, I mean, everything has to have a contingency on top mm-hmm. of a contingency on top of a contingency. I tell you, I said it about uh, commissioners and everything, but I think coaches, general managers – managers of baseball everybody's earning their paycheck this year everyone is earning their paycheck not that they don't in other years but my goodness just i can't even imagine how many you know it's going to be a you know i'm sure and this here's an in joke for a joe walton playbook size contingency plan that you have to have for everything mark it's just you know people talking about moving forward to next to moving forward to next fall and uh, we'll get back to a regular season. Well, we may play all the games with people in the stands, but a regular season would mean a regular off season and all of those things being the same. And that's all up in the air right now. So Joe Walton reference. I love it. And by the way, uh, Derek, I hope you see your friend, Jerry, Jerry asking you how the flight was, but uh, it was a good Joe flight. Walton. He, dro- he dropped me off. <laughs> love Joe right. Walton. And that's because I moved to New York to uh, to make it to make a name for myself, quote unquote. I, I, never, make I, it. I, I, I never thought of that about making a name for myself. I know that's how people categorize it, but I I just wanted to do theater. I didn't want to do the L.A. scene. I didn't didn't want to do it. And there's all kinds of dark motivations for that, I'm sure. But uh, at any rate, I got there in 82 and the Jets make the playoffs. That's the strike shortened season. And they and they and they win their first game. Then they beat the Raiders for crying out loud, who had just won the the Super Bowl two years before. And then they play the Dolphins to see who goes in the Super Bowl. And um, that was the AJ Dewey game. It was rainy. It was muddy. And is that Richard Todd? Was that Richard Todd who was the? It was Richard Todd. It was the sack exchange with Joe Klecko and Mark Gastineau. Hell of a defense. 
Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. I love that team. That, and that, that the split back offense of Bolton was too much for them, I guess. So <laughs> I ironically ironically I actually just tried to call him maybe yesterday, uh, just to try and touch base with him and see how he's doing. I got about five phone numbers for him since he lives half the time down in Puerto Rico. Um, I think um, I know he's got a place now in Florida somewhere down south. I tried calling him. Um, all like five numbers are there. They no longer work. So I probably Out of service. Him. Yeah, I probably called him once, and he was like, "Don't ever call me." And and all my <laughs> can't stop all the lines. But see, I was just gonna I was gonna say, you know, Joe Walton's so old now. Don't you have to call down to the the general store and have Cletus run out to let him know there's a call? Like a scene yes. from Sergeant York or something, and he has to come down in a wagon. What is yeah. it, Sergeant York? It's classic. <laughs> oh, goodness. All, All right. right. Well, uh, we are going to talk about the uh, the AFC and NFC Championship games this year with Derek. But I wanted to get Derek's opinion and John's opinion on on the hiring. And, you know, I, I, I just have a, uh, you know, I get triggered. That's the word these days, right? I get triggered a little bit. When there's just such obvious, my sense of justice, we've talked about this, Johnny, my sense of justice is offended. It yeah. really is. I know as much talking. as I like the idea of Brandon Staley, who can go from division three to an NFL head coach and probably the sweetest job that was out there in four years. I love that idea. That's very American. You can take, you know, it's, it's almost doesn't matter what your resume is. If you can get yourself to a position where you're in front of someone and you can impress them and you can make a difference in that interview. All, all the power to you. I'm taking nothing away from him or Arthur Miller. Is that what it is? Arthur no, Miller? Arthur Miller wrote The Crucible. No, <laughs> Arthur. Yeah, among other Smith. things, a view from the Arthur bridge. You know, there's view plenty, from the bridge, after uh, the fall. After the fall. Yeah, any number of, of, of fine plays. And there's Arthur Smith. A view from the bridge. Yeah, you're right. The Crucible, for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, death of a salesman, we should mention. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So at any rate, uh, they got hired. These guys are, are great, but they, you know, again, a guy like Brandon Staley four years ago was coaching Division Three, now is making 10 times as much as the two offensive coordinators in the championship games, Brian Lefwich and Eric Bieniemy. And I don't want to say racism because that to me is an easy out, and that to me – inhibits conversation, frankly, because people just tune out when, once you bring up that word. And I'm interested in conversation from people on the other side. I think it's a cultural bias. I really do. The quotes we had about Brandon Staley, boy, oh boy, I can see the potential in that kid. What a football mind. How does Eric Bieniemy and By Byron Leftwich not have football minds, for crying out loud? I, I, I just think there's a cultural bias there. And yes, when we talk about minority head coach, you know, it's it's really about black head coaches. There's 65% players, 35% assistant coaches who are black in the NFL. There was one minority hire this year with Robert Sala. But I, I'm, I can't believe at this point with all the eyes on it, with all the chatter about it, with what happened this summer across the country, I don't get how it's still the way it is. I just don't understand it. Well, I'll tell you, Mark, if, if I just weigh in a second with it, I, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, it's, um, you know, culturally for a long time, it was very difficult for any person of color to break into uh, into coaching, you know, really on, on any high level. And, you know, the, it, 
these guys that you're talking about that they're getting from college now, I think uh, and, and this is a result of the fact that the game has really changed a lot. And Derek talked about it on on the show before is that, you know, the offenses in the NFL are stealing from are stealing from college offenses, which are in turn taking things from high school offenses. So I, I think there's a, you know, some of those retreads that we used to complain about and we did ad infinitum. We saw guys. You know, and no offense to any of these people, Rich Kotite, uh, just job after job. Uh, Dan Henning. Norv Turner, for God's sake. I mean, he was. Lehman Bennett. How can you fail your way up? If you're Norv Turner, you failed your way up. And I think uh, so. I think part of that with these these younger guys, you're seeing that. But I just I just think to your point. There haven't been a lot of, uh, of of black executives and coaches around enough to make certain people, whether it is um, consciously or unconsciously, comfortable with it. And I think that that, uh, that has a lot to do with it. I, I, I don't want to just say that people are racist because no. I, I don't necessarily know what's in people's hearts. Um, the other thing I'm going to say, I, I want to say about it, though, is um, and, and I'll just ask you to think about this for a minute. Some of these owners and general managers may not want guys who are players. as established. Ex-players, so to speak. Ex-players, I think there's a little bit of that. I think there's a little failure there. But guys who are as established because, you know, uh, we're not in the room. We're not in those uh, uh, negotiations. And maybe somebody wants control over player personnel. So, you know, some guy who's coming who's just a couple of years ago in D3 Probably just wants to coach the football team. I would like to just coach the football team. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, other guys may have other uh, decisions. Uh, it, it, it is a problem. I think it should be a, a, across the board. Uh, a hiring should be able to be merit based uh, with no consideration of anything. It's it's just not that way. And I think the Rooney Rule hasn't worked as well as they would like it to. I think it'll probably end up being um, tweaked in some way, shape, or form. Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job frankly. And if he ends up with the Houston job, which may be the only way they keep Deshaun Watson. And frankly, if that is how you keep them, you hire Eric B for God's sake. Um, but uh, yeah, it, they're just some surprising the Dan Campbell one surprised. I think a lot of people. Um, and then some of the names that are popping up, the Josh McDaniels of the world. Um, and I, and I do think that somebody maybe who failed once as a head coach, obviously, you know, it's the it's the three time the Norv Turners, the Rich Kotites, uh, who your favorite Mark Lehman Bennett, I believe, was someone uh, you, you Lehman Bennett got every other job in the NFL for about a decade and a half. Lehman Bennett. Dan so Bennett. anyway, there there's that. Thankfully, we have uh, good football. Uh, and oh, and I think, you know, you also we, we mentioned it. If teams in the cha- championship game and in the playoffs every year and you're an assistant coach, eh, it's not uh, it's not. Uh, Helpful, it's Eric frankly. the enemy's third straight championship game. Oh, it hasn't been helpful. No <laughs> it hasn't been helpful. I, I saw a thing that Amy Trask, um, she was a former executive with the Raiders. I believe she was mm-hmm. the first woman executive in the in the NFL. Um, she proposed and she suggested that um, they move the the hiring process back until after the Super Bowl. Um, just it's just to not give a horrible idea. A fair chance because I think that that was some of the issue of why Robert Sala didn't get hired last year. Um, and whether those two things kind of coincide and they go hand in hand, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you this, that uh, from a player standpoint and an assistant coach standpoint, um, you know, p- people don't give a damn about what you look like, you know, what, what you do in your off time. They just want to, you know, find out 
if we can, if this person can make me better, I don't care. Because yeah. it's a business at the end of the day. You're gonna win. Um, so don't care, man, woman, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, don't matter. So kind of see through those things. I mean, do you really? Uh, it, it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem like that, though, Derek. In terms of the fact that there's thirty, there's thirty-five percent black assistant coaches out there. You would just think, by definition, by the numbers, uh, that there would be more opportunity. You know, I don't know what it is. I know that the the Rooney Rule says that you need to hire or you need to interview at least one minority candidate, and I think it's expanded to one GM as well as one coach, but I don't know. I mean, I know I understand what you're saying, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Obviously, when you're in the room, they're going to pick the best person they like, but I think it's within their worldview. I think that's the issue. They have a worldview about what makes a successful football team, and in their worldview, they're going to get, they're going to pick out their best candidate, and that's the truth. There's no doubt about that. But there's something tweaked. I think percentage-wise, there's got to be something tweaked. Why doesn't the percent? Why isn't the percent the same as you go up the ladder, as it is for players, for assistant coaches, and then head coaches, and then of course, to your point earlier, before we went on the air, the GMs. Like, what is that? There's something in the math that doesn't that doesn't check out. Well, I, I think um, a, a big part of that too is is the basically the grassroots of uh, getting more guys that are um, of, of minority different backgrounds into the QC job, low level grinding jobs. I mean, that's a lot where Arthur Smith came from. Um, Arthur Smith, yeah, you're right. His dad was a was a was a billionaire. He started FedEx. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the guys, I forget where he started, they had no idea that his dad was a billionaire. And a lot of people didn't even know who he was because he just he was just in there working his tail off every day. Um, getting those guys into those those QC jobs, those working your way up the ladder, um, I think is, is so important, especially on the offensive side, with just because general managers are more inclined to to hire guys with the offensive background, especially, you know, a background in the, in that Shanahan McVay, that whole Kubiak tree is, it's just keeps growing. I think it's almost like a necessity. Now, <laughs> if you're insistent that you need to know those offenses, because it's, it's almost like the new West coast essentially. But I think that that's a lot where it starts to is getting some of those guys at the lower level jobs, working with them, developing them. You know, I think Bruce Arians down at Tampa has done a phenomenal job of that. I mean, if you look at their coaching staff, um, I believe they have two women coaches, one in strength and conditioning, one on the defensive line. And then um, on the offensive-defensive side, their assistant coaches, I'm telling you, it's like the 2009 Steelers roster. It's like Larry <laughs> Foote, Antoine randall Fire Leftwich. I mean, it's all it's all former players. And, you know, I think that's kind of where that starts. I mean, you, you can't just plot guys and say, oh, well, you, you're a minority, you're going to get the job. Or you're this color, or you're white, you're gonna get the job. I don't know that that it's it's like that at all. But I think, like I said, getting those guys into those into those QC jobs is so important because that's where that's where you grind and you learn the game. Yeah, and I tell you that coaching tree thing. You know, you even think a lot about that. And uh, you know, we talk about which coaches seem to have the the successful coaching trees. But but yeah, people. We talk about people falling in love with uh, 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 things about players. A lot of times with coaches. They just literally fall in love with a coaching tree. And as we've seen, like uh, evaluating talent anywhere, Mark, it's an inexact science, to say the least. A larger percentage of these coaches 
that are being hired this uh, year will fail, then do top 10 draft choices, top 15 draft choices. So that's, you know, let, let's remember out of, if you hire eight new head coaches, yeah. one of them's probably going to end up being great. A couple of them will be fine and the rest will wash out in any period of time. It's, it's a difficult proposition, but uh, let's, uh, let, let's just hope that uh, things improve. And, and do nothing about it because we have this podcast that people would. <laughs> I, I will say well, there's, one <laughs> la- there's one last point that I see on, on social media all the time of so-and-so needs to get fired or so-and-so needs to get out of town or whatever else as being in the, the industry or the business, really. Um, I, it's like cringeworthy for me to say that no matter how skeptical you could be about a guy, um, there's guys that are sleeping on couches under their desks. Uh, you know, not spending time away from their family. They might, her family might be in Colorado and they're living in Florida coach and just trying to bring, bring a paycheck home to their family. So I think that the human aspect, a lot of the times gets lost in these kinds of things. So I always try to keep that in perspective because, you know, at some point, you know, I might be there, (laughs) but. uh, Well, we, we anticipate you being there. We anticipate you being the next Brandon Staley by the, before you're 40, You'll be coaching perhaps the 49ers, and I'll be very happy about that. Can you imagine how those guys uh, – uh, can you, Mark, can, I, I, can, you, can you imagine how those guys who sleep on couches and work for nothing and live like six bachelors to an apartment with, you know, can you imagine how they feel when it's time for a new coaching hire on their team and it's announced a new head coach will be Norv Turner? And you look down and his, his record is 12 and 372 in the league. But, you know <laughs> – we're comfortable with him. That 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 would that would make me we know him. We but, yeah. and, and it, it's just it's the a, thing. It's, it's, a who you, it's a who you know business. It's very incestual. Oh, um, kids are going to work for their dads a lot of times, and um, you know you, you just got to find your and grind your way through it and, and find whatever little avenue you can. And then, but you know, always keep in mind of wherever you're at to do the best job that you possibly can. Um, because no one's going to give a damn about, you know, what you want to do next. If, if what you do now stinks. That's true. Or what you do now is even mediocre. You know, they're only going to notice yeah. you if it's, it's, if it's excellent work. And that's the, the fact with Arthur Miller and with it's, uh, <laughs> again, it's Arthur Copet. I was going to say, I, when I heard uh, Arthur, you know, people are going to judge you on what you're doing now. All I could think Mark was you and I are fucked. So we're going to listen to this podcast and go, yee, those people. Those are the Lehman Bennett's of podcasts right there. They really are. I like that. Uh, Speaking of coaches, we obviously know Mike McCarthy's a bad coach (laughs) because he inhibited Aaron Rodgers in a massive way. It it seems to be, uh, you know, and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are, are meeting each other really the only old guys that have been successful in the postseason you know breeze looked old philip rivers obviously looked old and uh others have looked old as well and so i think uh that's going to be a very interesting game i don't see how green bay loses what do you think Derek? well i think that that game earlier in the year that was kind of blow i think that that was really just an outlier i mean rogers has been playing at an mvp level obviously i think he's going to win it um, he's really had, I mean, really, the, he's been probably the best football that I've seen, um, really since his last MVP, which is really 10 years ago. So that's probably even the most impressive thing that he's going to win two MVPs and they're in a span of 
10 years. I mean, yeah, like, that's awesome. 10 years apart. I mean, that's, that's right. really impressive. Um, you know, I think this is really going to be interesting to see how the Bucks really come out and play this again. Um, you know, they blew them out the first game in, in Tampa. Um, I thought that they really kind of threw the kitchen sink at Rogers and really kind of mess with their pass protection sometimes. Um, and, you know, Todd Bowles really was just one step ahead of Matt LaFleur that really the whole game, um, really just sending some fire zone stuff, understanding where Rogers checkdowns was. And then, you know, you blitz one guy and then, you know, Rogers knows where his checkdown or his hot read is. Well, now we're going to drop a guy into that area. You know, that was one of the interceptions that he threw. So, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting. Now, do you do you do the same thing or do you kind of back off? You know, if, if you play, man, Rodgers is one of the better scramblers in, in the league. And you saw that last week on display that he could just fling that thing four yards downfield off of the wrong foot or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's dangerous. Um, you got to kind of hold on to your pants there if, you, if you're going to play uh, man against Rodgers consistently. Yeah, and, and I, it's, it's funny because I was listening to, uh, and his name comes up, Greg Cosell, again, a guy that we, we always respect. And it's funny, we talked about the uh, outlier. He goes, you know, I don't like the term outlier, and then spent the next five minutes not actually coming up with a reason why he thought it wasn't an outlier, and even admitting that. That we did say to that point that what they did, and again, yeah. here's the recurring theme, is they found creative ways to get pressure on, uh, on Aaron Rodgers. But to your point, the Football coaches are generally pretty smart, Lehman Bennett notwithstanding. Um, you, you can't really ever do the same exact thing yeah. an, another time. Um, but you do have to still figure on how you get uh, how you get pressure on him. Slip it to the other side for a minute because, again, the embarrassment of riches that is the offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, was pretty good. I think we'd agree they're they're pretty good last week. I don't, I don't think anybody walked away from that saying it's the greatest show on turf sort of yeah. thing. But um, Green Bay's defense, uh, if I have this right, they play a lot of man as well. Um, am I right about that? And can they afford to do that now that this offense is considerably better, I think, than when they played before, obviously? Yeah, so I think that they've played a little bit more man recently. Um, they do play a, a good bit of zone as well. Um, typically, they like to be in a nickel and a dime defense, um, meaning five defensive backs uh, on the field, um, and then dime is six. Um, for the longest time, this is a side story, the longest time I had no idea why they called it dime. I was like, this is stupid. This doesn't even make sense. It's not like you got 10 DBs on the field. Until so somebody yesterday told me that – it's dime because it's two nickels. It blew my mind. I wow. had never thought of that before. I've been That's in awesome. football. I've been in football for 20 years, coaching or playing, and I never thought of that. But anyways, they like to be in a nickel dime set. Um, on the flip side, Tampa Bay loves their 12 personnel, meaning one back, two tight end stuff. And, you know, they'll condense it down. They'll run and they'll use Kronk as another tackle. Um, they'll do, you know, their – their inside zone, their duo play that we talked about, which is essentially um, the power where you would typically pull a guard. Well, they don't pull the guard. It's just that's what's called duo. You're going to get two double teams. Um, we're on a, a bunch of that. Um, I think that, you know, whether they want it, when they want to take their shots off of their play action stuff, I think it really stresses defense. Um, I, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Um, you know, I, Tom Brady in cold weather in, in January. I mean, it's, 
I feel like we're just here talking about this every year. Now it doesn't With snow. Matter. Now it's it like sixty percent chance of snow. I mean, it's, it's it's yeah, sixty percent chance of snow. It's the tuck rule game all over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and this but, is this is I thought was a really interesting point too that. Last week when you saw the success with the Rams, when they went through their empty hurry upset, it wasn't a true empty where you got, you know, double O personnel, dull receivers. It was actually still 12 personnel. So they still had two tight ends on the field and a running back, and they would meet their motion cam makers out or motion back in or however else you want to do it. But it was interesting that that, you know, showed that they maybe a little bit of chinks in the armor and who loves empty more than Tom Brady to just pick you apart. And I think it's so versatile the way that they can deploy that 12 personnel. You have Cameron Bray and you have Gronkowski. So you really got to think almost back to like the 2012 Patriots with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski, where they're able to shift and move people and get you really in the wrong personnel before the plays even started or before, you know, you're out of the huddle because they see 12 personnel. Okay, well, we got to go to our base and get another linebacker in there, which is not what Green Bay wants to do. Fine. They're going to bring in their basin. Let's spread them out, and now let's pick apart and pick on a linebacker. Yeah, and that that would uh, immediately uh, emit a text from Derek to both you and I, John, <laughs> about why do coaches allow this to happen? Here's then it'll be a little screenshot of a linebacker trying to cover Antonio Brown if, he, if he's even yeah. available. What about David? Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari, yeah. The left tackle who has been out. Now, granted, Green Bay's won every game since he's been out, mm-hmm. but they've played the likes of the Detroits, the Carolinas, the Philadelphias. They did beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they beat the Rams. But they have not really played an elite quarterback in a long time. And when they did, even a Kirk Cousins gave them trouble, and Drew Brees gave them trouble, and Tom Brady – Obviously, early in the season gave them trouble as well. Uh, do we really know what Green Bay can do against an elite offense and an elite quarterback? And, oh, by the way, do we know what they can do with a front seven like Tampa Bay, even though their back end is weaker, against a front seven that could take advantage of you know the, the fact there's not an all-pro at left tackle? Yeah, well, Tampa does get Tampa Bay back. Too, yeah. who is just a massive human being, whether he's at 100% or not. I mean, you still got to move him. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, it's hard to really pick against Green Bay in Green Bay. Um, I think that they're a really totally. good team. I agree. They're, they're like a, uh, you know, it, it, they're, it's like a, what, listening to a record and every song is just good because everything that they do is just so awesome. Um, right. So, yeah, it, like, yeah, and you can look out for, like, some of the, the, the RPO stuff. I think that they had a lot of it last weekend um, versus uh, versus the Rams. Um, there's one play where they, it's called Lambo, ironically. Um, it's usually just like an inverted bubble throw where a guy goes quick into the flat, and the two receivers will actually not even go out in a route. They're just going to block the guys in front of them. Really, Rodgers just reads the box, looks at one defender. Does he go out or does he stay in? If he stays in, he throws it. If he goes out, he hands the ball off. Um, they do another one where it'll be a two-back set, and, and they'll run the zone, and then they'll send the other back out on a swing or, or a quick flat route. Same thing, read the box. Um, you know, I, I think that the what they did the first game, Green Bay, I think that they want to avoid is trying to 
trying to get to the perimeter and run. These linebackers are just way too fast. I mean, Devin White, this is such an aggressive defense um, that they'll just run downhill and run down a lot of these things. Um, keeping it inside, I think, is maybe the best way. And really spreading this 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 Tampa Bay defense out as well. The same thing that I said about, um, about uh, Tampa, really the same thing. I, I think that, you know, when when Rodgers is able to spread people out, I think, and, and this is, goes for all quarterbacks, right? So the McBay, the the Shanahan, the Lafleur, all those offense, like what they like the really condensed sets. Well, when you bunch all those people up in the box, it can be difficult at times to tell who is coming and who isn't because you have a nickel that's you know a couple yards off the line. Whereas if you spread people out, the nickel is further out, and he has to really tell or get to a point where he's got to tip it at some point. You might see a safety rotation down to where the nickel was, and you're going to see that blitz. And now Rodgers is going to be like, I know you're coming. Now I can flip the line protection to kick out to you and let or throw hot off you. So maybe spreading them out might be a, a, a better way to, to do that for them. It is. I, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it, it, it is really interesting because it does come off what we talked about earlier is just that aberration for what we've seen from Green Bay otherwise through the season in that in that uh, first game. Uh, Mark, I was going to move on to uh, Buffalo and Kansas City. Right, unless sure. you had something you wanted to add. No, um, I, I just wanted to say one thing. If they can lock up Devonte Adams, which is like, <laughs> right, you if. know, a big ask. But if that's the only real deep threat they have, I guess they have uh, what's his name? Tanyan is uh, one of their receivers at about 50 catches. And then Aaron Jones out of the backfield had about 45 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is in the 30s. Derek, do you think there's something because because Tampa Bay is vulnerable in the back end? Do you think it's possible if they bracket, you know, Adams? Let those other guys beat you. Do you think there's and, and then, you know, rely on that front seven to get some pressure on Rodgers? Yeah, you think there's a way for them to to figure out a way to slow that offense down. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, um, you know, Lazard's been playing really well. Um, you know, you'd like to see some of those guys like make those those big time catches and not and not drop a not drop a Rogers beautiful deep ball or something like that. Um, but you know, I think Tanya's pretty good. Um, getting Aaron Jones out of the backfield, going some of that 20 personnel stuff that we talked about, and really kind of maybe getting him on like a Devin White that may struggle in coverage at times. And I know Devin White had a great game last week, um, but, you know, Aaron Jones is pretty special out of the backfield. So, um, you know, similar to, to yes. not as good as not as good as Kamara, but he is very he's similar in that sense. And maybe, you know, uh, running an angle route or, or something like that. That's ironically the the pick that Drew Brees threw was on when it was on a vertical route, and um, you know I, I I don't know what the what the read was for him or if he thought that Kamara was going to break back inside or whatever it is. But those are the kinds of things of utilizing the running backs, and then you know what you kind of think and dunk them, and then you can kind of take your shot deep with with a with an Adams. And hey, if you want to play cover one against Aaron Rodgers the whole game, God bless him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it really is. I mean, it, it's such a heavyweight fight with these two quarterbacks uh, who haven't played a lot, despite all the years that they've played. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I want to flip over to the other one for uh, because we uh, we talk often about strength on strength. Uh, I want to talk weakness and weakness in this game just for a second because Buffalo has essentially just given up running the football. 
Right. I think their first 20 plays were yeah. pass play. They didn't run till their 21st play. Um, sadly for them, that's also the weakness of, I think, for the for the Kansas City defense. So, it, you know, it's not like you, you can uh, exploit it. But but if it if you do know that that is a weakness of a defense, Derek, isn't it imperative that Buffalo not throw the ball on the first 20 plays? Try to get something to keep Kansas City's defense honest. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple things that the Bills uh, can try and do. Um, you know, obviously, you know, running the, running the ball might be, I don't know, I don't know that they would completely abandon the run per se. Um, but, you know, traditionally Spagnola loves the, the defensive coordinator for the um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, loves to play man coverage. Um, he does play a variety of coverages. It's not like he just plays man coverages, but this is a really hyper-aggressive defense. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing, too, when we watched the game tape from the last game, um, I, I don't know that uh, Dayball and Allen ever really got a true feel of what Spagnola was doing. It almost felt like Spags was just throwing stuff at a wall, letting stuff stick, and it worked. Um, there was no rhyme or reason for a lot of these calls. I mean, it would look like cover one, then it would be cover two, or it would be, you know, cover two, and then they'd roll to cover three. Um, I don't know that they ever got true beat on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you see a bunch of double clutching in this game by Allen, it could be the same thing. Um, Spagnola is a really, really good defense coordinator. And, you know, Tyron Matthew really runs that whole thing um, on the back end and just how you know aggressive he is. And, um, you know, I think the offensive line, too, their, their communication is going to be crucial to pick up some of these blitzes and stuff. Um just to make sure that, you know, Allen is protected. He knows where some of these blitzes are coming from. Because, you know, if you uh, – yeah, I think, like, one of the first drives against Cleveland last week on, like, the first play, he sent a corner blitz. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, send a corner blitz, see what happens. And it worked. I mean, it, it worked too – it worked great. So, I think, um, you know, just, just trying to find a beat on – on, on Kansas City and, and maybe trying to play one game ahead or one step ahead. I think when you start calling plays, when you start calling beaters, essentially, so what I'm saying, like, oh, they're playing cover two, let's call smash, which is a cover two beater. I think you can kind of get, that's where you kind of get behind in the game. You get behind in the chess match. You always want to stay one or two plays ahead and let your play calling dictate what the defense is doing, and you can really decide what they're going to play just because you know what their checks are versus certain looks or certain personnel saying, I know that they're going to play cover three here, or we can send a motion, and I know what their check is going to be, and I'm going to call this play. So it really just becomes a chess match between Dayball and and, and, um, Spagnuolo. The chaos theory defense, Mark. I like it. I like it. I like it. I know, but it, but it does make it. sense, yeah, and particularly sure. with the young quarterbacks who who are expecting. You know, this is what I was coached to expect. If you have seven thousand starts under your belt, like Tom Brady, there's probably nothing you can throw at him that he hasn't seen some level of before, or he doesn't have. A, but for a young quarterback, yeah, it's got to be disconcerting that you know it's like uh, the offensive equivalent of pun on third down for god's sake you know and it's if i'll add this too because you guys will see this on sunday as well um spagnola likes to do this thing called what we call sim pressure um my my buddy pudge is the one that really introduced it to me it's essentially um you are playing with the offensive line rules 
Um, he told me this because I'm an offensive line coach, and I cringed when I heard about it. So <laughs> essentially, like, so the Bills love to go empty personnel, right? Get everybody out there, spread the whole thing out. Well, what some teams will do is, is that they'll double mug what we call, like, taking two linebackers and put them right in front of the center in both A-gaps. And essentially, it forces your offensive line to go into full slide protection one way or the other. So now you're not really sure who is coming. Are they both going to blitz the A-gap? Because now you got to account for it. And what Spagnola really likes to do is like to make you waste a guy on the offensive line. Again, this is all making me cringe. So now, <laughs> now you're basically going to show this look and this blitz, but then you're going to send the blitz from the other side, and then you're going to drop into the other. So it really, it's like now you've just wasted an offensive lineman. You got two guys blocking one, and you got one guy coming free off the edge, and now that's Allen's guy. So you got to throw hot off of him, and then now you could drop somebody else into that or roll down somebody into that area. So there's a lot of things that you could do, and it, like I said, it, it is a 100% chess match, and that is my one shout-out to, to my buddy Puds that taught me that, and that's all he gets. Well, and I think it uh, it it lends uh, it lends itself to more chess analogies, and that both uh, um, Mahomes and Allen are queens in that they can move in any direction at any time as much as they want. So if they work off script as well as any quarterbacks in in the NFL, so we may it, it may be that's what we're going to see a lot of is those guys improvising, which would make it exactly what I think we would all like to see, frankly. Because that's that's where those uh, they're hey, at their Jer- best. Derek, I have a I have a question about this. Is that everyone every an- analyst says that uh, you know you've got to stop Josh Allen from running to his right because he is deadly running to his right, and they say that at the top of the ball game, and then the entire ball game we see Josh Allen running to his right. <laughs> How? How do defensive coordinators not just have schemes that cover that part of the field uh, when things break down? I mean, how? I guess to your point, really, and to Nick Saban's point, in the end, offenses are dictating things these days, not defenses. It's really, and it's really, defenses are reacting. They are not the best defenses. Don't win anymore, at least in this place, this exact moment in time. Yeah, well, I think, like, okay, you know that he, he likes to roll right. That's great. But then, you know, the one time that he doesn't roll right and you send a blitz off of that right side, he stands in the pocket and throws a hot route for a 60-yard touchdown. And everyone's like, how could you get that up? Well, we were anticipating he was going to roll right. Well, how could you do that? So it's the Monday morning defensive coordinator a lot of the times, too. I mean, and the people don't take into account that these guys are just incredible quarterbacks as well, that no matter what you do, there's times where he might just get out and roll right. I mean, he's got a little bit of that, like Roethlisberger, like he's just going to find a way to get out, fling a ball 60 yards downfield through a keyhole. And, you know, sometimes you're just like, ah, you got to live with it. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can certainly blitz people off the edge. I think you got to do it in maybe high-leverage situations or, you know, whether, whether a formation or a certain look or dictates it just off of film study and saying, Hey, you know, maybe we know that he is looking to the right. All his progressions are to the right. Let's even tilt our defense to make it look like, hey, we are telling you to throw this to the right. All your keys are, all your indicators are to the right. Then send a blitz or something off that edge and kind of just follow them up. 
I love that idea. I we, we want to get a question from Lenny, who is maybe our most loyal follower of all time. Wouldn't you say, John, probably oh, yeah. has followed us for 20 years at this point in time? Yes. Uh, wants to know how the wide receivers of the Bills matchups match up against KC about about their defense and about their back end. So they the Bills have like all three of them are all different types of guys. Um, they're a little smaller with the exception of Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is their bigger target. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if KC from the beginning of the game tries to set the tempo and just goes up there and just jacks up one of them. Um, play coverage, just be physical, get in their face. Um, that That's probably what KC will end up doing um, just because these are smaller guys. I mean, they're quicky, they're, twitch, they're twitchy, they're quick. Um, they can get away from people, but you know, I do they want to be physical? I'm sure DBs, that's the number one thing they want to find out in the same way that a defensive lineman wants to figure out whether that offensive lineman wants to be there. Um, I think DBs kind of do the same thing. They want to check you early in the game to see if you're, if you're really about this. That's so awesome, John, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, like you, you test out, you hit them hard, you hit them in the mouth, and do they want to be there? Or do, yep. are they required? I mean, I love that idea, like – from you personal know, experience, I was a terrible high school wide receiver, and there was and, nothing more than I hated. And somebody coming to me, standing one half yard in front of me off the line and just smacking me. And you're right. I did not want to be there. It was not worth <laughs> It was not worth what I wanted, which was to date cheerleaders. Right. It was just not enough. Exactly. If somebody's punching me in the mouth, I want to know part of it. It was a little worth it. It's a little hard to do that um, as a quarterback. Um, I tried to do it my first game in college. Um, I tried to run somebody over, and I forgot that I was about 5'10", 200 pounds, and the linebacker I tried to run over was about 6'3", 250. And uh, he dumped me, and I think I cracked a rib, and I was like, can't do that anymore. I got to slide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah foot, football teaches you a lot about physics. Why my physics teacher in high school was a USC football player uh, in the in the 30s. Well, let's switch around to the other side, which is uh, the defensive backs of the Bills versus uh, the skilled position players on the other side for Kansas City. We'll say this about the Bills from everything that I'm reading. Their safeties are considered one of the real strengths of their defense. Um, so their play is yes. going to be at a premium this weekend. the best. Two of the best, and yeah, yeah, yeah. With with with, and we'll let's just assume Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I don't think they'll move the time of the game, like uh, or the day of the game, as Cal Colin Coward has said he'd like to see uh, to make sure that Mahomes plays. But let's just say it's a given that he does does play. It's a good thing they have those safeties because that's going to be really really important for them uh, to stop an offense that admittedly has not been great as of late. Yeah, so we can kind of go back and, and you know, what, what Cleveland really did. And that's uh, they played, you know, cover two. They let kind of everything in front of them. Obviously, they had gas a couple times um, by Mahomes. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that Mahomes played his best game mm -hmm. until, you know. Um, I thought that they showed some, some warts every now and then. But, um, you know, they, they do like to play a lot of quarters. They play cover two. Quarters, I mean, cover four. Um, now, some of that stuff can turn into man. Um, at certain depths, but I mean, when you got guys that are given like 15 yard cushions just because they know it's, you know, the, the Jamaican four by one team, it's <laughs> guys are just so freaking fast. I mean, in the way that Andy Reid just draws up these concepts, it's almost like it's, he just takes a whiteboard and says, yeah, I think we can do this. And um, <laughs> the, the thing, by the way, that I've heard over there is really interesting how they, how they operate. But 
going back to the Bills, you know, I, I I would look for them, and this sounds really like contrary to what every belief is. We just talked about don't play man against Rodgers. He's he's going to tear you apart. You can't do this. I would I would go after Mahomes early in this game, um, not to do with anything with the nerves, but to go after him because of that toe injury. I think that the toe injury or that foot injury, um, he, he didn't look as mobile um, from the pocket. So you really and you can't do it every down. Um, you got to time it up well where you're going to play a cover one robber or, or a zero and go after him and, and pray you get there before he can get the ball off and, and really test whether he's able to move or not. Um, other than that, you know, you kind of mix around your coverages, play some of the two, some of the quarter stuff, play cover six, you know, those kinds of things. But like I said, I think that, you know, maybe going after him and, and testing him early, hey, you might get hit for a bomb or you might get a big time sack. So it's it's, it's a strikeout or a home run. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game anyway. I mean, I think people, teams are going to be able to score, so you might as well take a chance. Makes a really good point, Mark. Somebody who's speaking from uh, self-knowledge, because I have a broken toe right now. Uh, I don't want to get – You have a just couple the, broken toes, uh, according to our last I, show. I do. I have a couple of broken toes, and uh, just, just the – it fatigues you to run around. with. Now, he'll get, you know, a shot, I'm sure – but that pain creeps in. It would fatigue him to run around. It, it's it's really interesting, Mark, for me because again, you got that good uh, second level for the for the Buffalo defense, and not just the last game, but really over the last five or six games, it, it hasn't been a well oiled machine. The Kansas City offense, not necessarily, and also remember, Buffalo has I think the third best red zone defense as well. Mm-hmm. So there may be a lot of field goals. Um, in, in this game from Kansas City. And if and if Buffalo can do that, they can keep themselves in the game. And um, there, there, there may be a chance. Do you see that happening at all, Derek, where Buffalo can contain, quote unquote, the big the big cliche? You, you, yeah. you can't stop them, but you got to contain them or slow them down. Do you think they have yeah. an option of doing that because they have such good red zone defense and such and such good safeties? Yeah, I think I think that you do. I think you got you don't want to trade field goals for touchdowns against Kansas City, um, but you kind of may want to do it the other way. Even if you're trading field goals with them, you're still in it. I still think it's going to be a high-scoring game, um, especially. I mean, they're going to have Mahomes. So let's be honest, Mahomes is oh, definitely going to play. Of course, yeah, um, obviously he's going to play. Like I said, the, the toe is more worried. It was is the bigger concern, um, but you know I, I think that some of these things that. Uh, you know, Kansas City can do offensively to to really sch- schematically mess with Buffalo. You know, you, we talked about that one by three set um, with Kelsey on the backside, um, and ironically, they talked about it during the broadcast. Tony Romo made a huge emphasis of it, um, where they put the tight end on the backside, they play like a lock coverage or a man, and then they run Hill on the other on a, on a deep crosser, and there's nobody home, and the linebacker or safety's got to try and catch up to him. And, uh, you know, really the, the play off of that is uh, it's really a dagger concept that we've talked about, ironically, with the Bills before where you get the go route, you get the big, uh, big in route from the outside receiver, and then the number three receiver who would be Tyreek Hill runs that deep crosser, and it's really a quarter speeder. Well, what they ran in the Super Bowl, ironically, that two-chip, uh, that uh, chip two-jet wasp where for that big third down completion, that was basically the same play that they ran in 
um, against Cleveland, except that the wasp is the wrinkle off of that play. So as soon as that safety sees Hill heading towards the opposite quadrant, he breaks back out on the corner. So uh, there's so many different wrinkles. And of course, you know, if they have that covered, you got a, a deep dig route coming. Um, and then using Kelsey too, you know, if they want to send everybody no one's vertical. Beat him. Yeah. If you <laughs> no want to send beat him. There, it, no one's yeah. I know it is. It's, this podcast is just ending. You just say Kansas. <laughs> yes, Green Bay, Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, we come might on as now. well. I mean, who's getting yeah. it here? Um, now that yeah. that said, I I look. That said, I given how we we generally pick Mark. I look very forward to the Tampa Bay Buffalo Super Bowl, which is on. Yeah. The <laughs> and here's the last. The last bit is like you know they could blow everybody off. Let's say, uh, you know, they're playing. You know, a lot of. Uh, they're keep trying to keep everything in front, but they're not going to get beat deep. Fine. Take Tyreek Hill, take Sammy Watkins, take Hardman, go blow them all down the field, and they run an option route with Travis Kelsey on a on a big nickel or, or a linebacker. I mean, you saw what he did to that poor kid last week. I mean, he put him in a blunder. Um, so, I mean, they're just – they're a Madden team. I mean, there's they, they nothing – no, no physics applied to them um, of, like, football physics of, you know, establish the run, play within your scheme. Don't take, you know, penalties. Um, you know, it's second and 15 of them. I mean, they just have an eraser, a quarterback that it doesn't matter. Like none of these things matter to the chiefs. They are a mad 28, team. nothing, 28, yeah. nothing doesn't matter. They'll go for it on fourth down on their own 10 and probably convert it. I mean, this is the kind of thing that they are. It's just, they're a video game. It's, it's really incredible to just watch it. And I'm sorry, that has to get into guys' heads. Again, I, th- I think that whole thing about, you know, when you see them come, come back time and time again when they get behind, there's it, it's the snowball rolling downhill where it, other teams know you've done it twice, and now they're the third team that's up 14 to nothing on you, and all of a sudden you just turn some sort of Madden game uh, drive into a touchdown. It, it just messes with guys' heads. It has to. Now, yeah. I think the, the good thing about Buffalo is those guys are kind of young, and they're sort of playing with house money a little mm-hmm. bit there. I also say, again, going back to their safety, what you were talking about, that 1-3, uh, we called it in high school, triplets, uh, tight end backside uh, set, is that that requires such a high level of communication by your defensive mm-hmm. backfield and that that's something that Buffalo does have going for them. That's a little bit of a, that's a, little bit of a strength for them. Um, yep. But, again, then you once we've taken care of those four routes, here's the two others that are going on. Yep. Well, you know, while Mahomes is is filming a commercial over here, waiting for somebody to get open. Yeah, so yeah, it, it in the first game, Buffalo dared him to run the football, and they did. And Clyde Edwards-Helaire had over 100 yards rushing. So I don't know if he's if he's able to play this week or not. Um, I was really surprised I didn't see as much Le'Veon Bell. Um, talking about a guy that just kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. Yeah, um, should have stayed in Pittsburgh, uh, but I might be biased. Should have stayed in Pittsburgh. There's no yeah. doubt about it. There's yeah. no doubt uh, about that. It was a lose lose, yeah. actually. Yeah, so I it, it just just really pick what how you want to die. Um <laughs> I mean that's it. That is really it. Pick how you want to die. Well, again, yeah. it's that we 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 talk about we we talk about Alabama, it's, it's that you know, you have to play a perfect game and they don't. And mm-hmm. that the only way you combat that too, as we talked about before, can you get a special teams thing? Can you get can you get a couple of turnovers? Um, and give yourself a short field and that sort of thing. Um, but e- even if you do, you're still probably going to lose. Johnny, he was limping most of the game, and then he was out. 
and 87-year-old Chad Henning went in. Yeah. And they still sort of cruised to victory. Did anyone ever think that Cleveland was going to win that game? <laughs> no, really. I didn't. Really? I really Come didn't. on. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, Chad Henning had to have a nice running play at the end. And they had to convert that first down. But come on. he Mahomes was not himself. He was limping. And then he was out. And they yep. still won, you know, not going away, but but comfortably. By the way, the one NFL of our listeners. The one of our listeners didn't even want them to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's true as well. Yeah, one of our listeners, uh, Joaquin, our good friend Joaquin, former ESPN Club Sports host with us, saying uh, Hilaire uh, leaning towards, uh, trending towards playing. And uh, I, I'd heard that well. That said, now you bring up Le'Veon Bell. I'm 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 expecting he'll have 150 yards uh, just out of nowhere. They'll draw something up on a whiteboard, and he'll be the hero of the game. Um, that would be exactly uh, like Kansas City. Well, I we I, I guess we can skip the pick segment then, Mark, because it it just it. We might as well do it. Let me ask this. Let me ask this. Who who would you be the most surprised that they got? Uh, upset Kansas City because it would be Kansas City for me Kansas City Kansas City I would not be as surprised I would be very surprised but I wouldn't be as surprised with Tampa because it's Tom Brady and they beat him pretty soundly earlier in the season albeit at in Tampa I would be much more surprised if the Bills upset the Chiefs in Arrowhead with uh, you know against you know they they beat a team that is essentially on their helmets to, to Derek's point choose how you die that would be surprising to me i, I know we talked about mahomes and Thanos and with all those receivers and yeah he's got all the infinity stones and everything but um i'm gonna take buffalo <laughs> Whoa! are you really i am gonna take buffalo why, why is that uh because my aunt linda watches the show and she's a buffalo fan if she doesn't she'll beat me up <laughs> no right. I, I just i think that this is i think that this is this team is just they just find ways to win games. Um, I think that, you know, they've already played them once. I think that that helps a ton to try and understand it. Um, they can crack that uh, Spagnola Enigma machine. Um, they, they could get rolling and, and beat them, in, I think, in a shootout. Yeah, and I guess I guess the one, the one thing we talked about on the show, too, is Buffalo seems to be that team that there have been a number of games where they've been outplayed literally for the entire game and mm-hmm. still win. Yeah, Kansas that, City, Mark, they'll get a slow, slow start, but then they'll, you know, they'll they'll look great for a quarter. You you get to the late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and you think Buffalo really hasn't played very well, and they're up seventeen to ten. No, so, I mean, sort of last week, right? But yeah. Buffalo was definitely outplayed by Baltimore for the first few quarters, first three quarters, um, really until that interception. They were up ten three and. Um, they had no business being up 10-3. There were two missed field goals by Baltimore. Baltimore had 150 more yards than they did. They had more first downs. They had much more time of possession. I mean, you're right. But it's the same thing with Kansas City. Kansas City, literally, and I know our friend Colin Cowherd has said this before, he doesn't think it's as easy to flip a switch, quote-unquote, in the NFL as it is, say, the NBA. But it does feel like that with with the Kansas City Chiefs, and it did feel like that a little bit with the, with the Bills last week against the Ravens. I will say this, that um, other than the Hale-Murray game, uh, I believe that they've won something like 13 of the last 14 games. They have. They have. No, they, yeah. they're they probably the hottest team in football right now, and so if take, you take, take, take away the Hale-Murray. You know. yeah. 
I don't know. Your dad's your dad's a pretty devout Catholic, uh, Derek. I'm not sure he'd like that. Hail Murray. I'm not sure. It, There's a lot of things he doesn't like that I do, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Lenny, by the way, Lenny making a great point that if Pennsylvania have only legalized weed, Le'Veon Bell would still be the Steelers running back, and that would have been a benefit for not only Le'Veon and the Steelers, but practically everyone. We might be talking about the Steelers and the Chiefs right now. <laughs> we might. Might help with by, Ben's pain, too. Led by Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> and, and uh, with an offensive coordinator, uh, Hugh Jackson. Yeah, D- Dwayne Haskins, Mark, to the Steelers. They'll get I him for a that. song. I tell you Is what, they'll Hugh get Jackson him for a song. The offensive coordinator, did they fire no. the offensive? No, he interviewed. He interviewed today. Um, I think that the the thought is that Matt Canada will be elevated offensive coordinator. Um, he's been there. He's been around the been around college uh, for a good number of years. He was Pitt's offensive coordinator, ironically. Um, yeah, I believe he was a head coach at USC for a little bit. He was offensive coordinator at LSU. Really, he's the one that kind of brought. We talked about it uh, weeks ago, months ago on the show. Um, he's the one that kind of brought all the the jet motion and the orbit motion and really all that to the forefront, which, I mean, Kansas City does it now, but Kansas City is motion palooza with orbit, orbit return, orbit jet motion. I mean, it's like, I I would hate to be a linebacker in the league playing against them. It's like I haven't, they they flip their strength with formation so freaking fast. They'll be like three by two and all of a sudden it's four by one before you can even, you know, get your right check in. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, what is what is going on? And this is this is something that just popped in my mind. One way that Buffalo can t- get a hold of Kansas City is using tempo. So if they go fast and they get into a hurry up, similar to like what Steelers does, it forces the defense to get in very vanilla calls. You can't get in all of your exotic blitzes, fire zone stuff, blitzing off the edge. So that could be a way to neutralize that, and they can kind of take the, you know, 100,000 fans that are at Arrowhead now. <laughs> they kind of yeah. take the fans out of the game because you can't really cheer in a no huddle the whole time um, unless, you know, you got a choir uh, doing it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think the tempo is something I just really remembered right now that I've made a note of that, you know, go empty, go tempo, take – get bland vanilla defenses and, and go. I think that would make yeah. Josh Allen very happy, frankly. I and think it would make all Derek right. very happy, too, to have predicted the Bills beating the Chiefs, even though he predicted the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I believe. <laughs> yeah, well, I also predicted Seattle to win it all, and they <laughs> are, like, imploding now. So That's good news. They're bringing in an offensive coordinator now, Mark, who believes uh, it's ungodlike to throw the football. So they he they've 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 just decided all apparently from what I'm hearing, uh, Russell Wilson is couldn't be any less happy because all they're going to do is run the football from now on. I mean, if you believe the rumors, Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer. Would we agree first ballot if he retired today? Yeah, right. Would would you agree, Je- Derek? Yes. Yeah. First ballot Hall of Famer. What is he? 32? 31? Yeah. Thirty two. Thirty one. Yeah. Thirty. Yeah. Thirty two. According to the you know the average quarterback these days he's halfway through his career for crying out loud so that's something to be said that someone at 31 or 32 is is clearly with in every metric is a hall of famer the fact that they can't 
figure something out with that offensive line or that defense or that running game. They never seem to have it all together. The defense will be great. Russell won't be so good. Russell will be phenomenal. Defense will be giving up 35 points a game. I, you know, I, I don't understand. Well, I, I'll tell you this, I if I can, if I can, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to tie this into the chiefs. One of the things that they ran into was once they had their success in their couple Super Bowls, um, guys were not on rookie contracts anymore, and they started losing talent. And there's that discussion, and I know, Mark, you listen to Kyle Harden like I do, and a couple other guys talking about it too, is the Kansas City where everybody goes, oh, they're, they're so primed for a deep, long run. They got a bunch of guys on rookie contracts, and then, and at some point, you know, you have to pay those checks and then you have to start making very hard decisions about who you keep and who you lose. And I don't think Seattle, I don't know that anyone else would have made different decisions, but I think the decisions that they've had to make is we have weakened that team uh, quite a bit. There's a good, there's a good talent drain out of Seattle in a very short period of time after they had that success. It's really good news for all Americans. I would say. <laughs> so uh, green Bay, Tampa Bay, Derek, your thoughts. Who's your pick? How about you, Johnny? What's your pick for Green oh, Bay? Tampa? Green Bay. I, it's just, you know, again, I would not be shocked, um, but I would be surprised if Tampa so, Bay. So you're if, going Green Bay, Kansas City. Yeah, I, I said it earlier, uh, I think, coming into this. And again, it's it's the 2020 thing, Mark, as we're in the, still the 2020 season. Is with the teams that are the best. The chalk seems to be the way things work out. The two so number one seeds. The two I, number one I seeds. think that's what you're – if not, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is having a great year in sports. They are. With the Lightning and the Rays. So maybe it's just a Tampa Bay year. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think it's going to be Green Bay and Kansas City. That would the logic would then say the Raptors would have a good year as well since they're playing in Tampa Bay with uh, John Pelkey as the voice of they, the Raptors. According to, to according to Twitter, because of me and the DJ, that's why they're struggling. <laughs> Derek, your thoughts on the Bucks and the Packers? I'm going to take Green Bay. I think that they're just a special team right now. Um, it doesn't it, like some of the things that they do. Just seems like you know the things that should go south do like. Rogers fumbles a ball or the ball fumbles and it bounces right to him. Like, it's just like one of those years that, you know, they, right. they can do no wrong really. Um, so I'm going to take a green Bay and Buffalo Super Bowl, and I'll probably be wrong next week. <laughs> I'm going green Bay, Kansas city as well. I, I agree with you about green Bay. You're right. The ball, everything seems to be bouncing their way. And frankly, Matt LaFleur, we've got to give him some credit. He is. He was twelve and four last year, thirteen and three this year. He won a playoff game last year. He's won a playoff playoff game this year. I would. I would have to say that he's uh, figured something out. I yep. think Green Bay has figured a lot out. I, I think what weren't we talking about last week, where they had set up a play where they motioned the t- tight end in a certain way, and Aaron Rodgers knew it was going to be just this wide open fifty four yard touchdown, and he smiled before he. That's <laughs> I love the uh, – it, it reminds me, and I don't know if you guys saw this, and I know we, we'll, we'll let Derek go and wrap this up. By the way, Brendan is saying it should be uh, Brady against the Bills. There's the Bills' ultimate nightmare after years of getting him out of the division. They face him in the Super Bowl. That's pretty fun. I, I like mean, that. That's, I, that is a I, great 
side story but two- people are just so people just love to kick people you know they just love to put their heel on someone's face yep. even when they're down and out it's amazing and it would be a true road game for buffalo because it's in tampa yeah oh, oh my god it's it's just the worst of all possible worlds yeah, if they're if Green Bay if Green Bay doesn't win, maybe the Bills. If that's the late game, just throw the thing. Just don't even don't bother. Why go through that again? But it was it just pointed out the thing, and we should just mention that Philip Rivers retired a long, long, great career. Let the debate begin on whether or not he's a Hall of Famer or not. Yes. The numbers are certainly there. He he doesn't he sadly doesn't have those signature moments that you would hope that a guy would have, but. Again, those are team things that get you there, and they really didn't get there, you know, that as often as they should have. Should have never fired Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, they might have gotten back, but there's the great story. I can't remember who it was who said he was playing against Rivers, and uh, Rivers looked at the defense, pointed the linebacker, and, and said, "You're in the wrong position for the blitz you're about to run." And 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 he was absolutely 100% right. Yeah. Um, so. He still holds the record, I believe, for most college football games played ever at the quarterback position. He played four years as a starter at North Carolina State, and uh, they played. They went to a bowl game every year. So one of the all-time greats, Philip Rivers. Uh, I certainly hope he earned enough for his 37 children uh, to to get them through college. Another re- another quarterback record, which should uh, the Hall of Fame committee should consider. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But nomination for most. Uh... For most games, as a backup quarterback. Hey, it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the Crash Davis. It's I'm the Crash Davis it. of football. Most games as a backup quarterback. Good stuff. All right, uh, we, we should probably let Derek go, Mark. We are going to talk about the NBA, and I know that offends him. I don't want him. <laughs> as well it should. As well it should. Uh, Derek, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, your contributions, and thanks for uh, – you know, adding to the conversation about the the NFL coaching carousel, if you will, and uh, obviously your great insight into the two championship games this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to a lot of texts from Derek during the course yep. of the game. And uh, have a good time. Say hello to your father. Well, thank you guys so much. All right, All right buddy. Good to see. Uh, yeah, I wanted to just delve into uh, Mark because we, you know, COVID's been the big story, uh, 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 you know, throughout this pod. It is the reason for this podcast. So if it did not bring enough horror, it also brought this on the world. So good God, it's the dark ages all over again. But no uh, NBA has been running into some COVID issues. I think the Grizzlies now have had to cancel three games. The Wizards had a really long period. They have they have started to change their protocols a little bit. Uh, and again, I can speak to this as the public address announcer for the as Raptors. The voice of the Raptors. They've claimed out the voice of the Raptors. They John have- Palke, the voice. Folks, check out, you know, Facebook. <laughs> check out his narration for the Martin I, Luther King Day. I game. posted none of that, Come by on. the way. No, I, I have not. You notice I have posted I know it offends you to, to, to even think about doing that, something so self-aggrandizing. You would never do it. But no. you have you have people to do it for you. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I didn't. But I didn't do it. But I want to oh, say I that you know they, they they've emptied the lower bowl for shoot around and not have the you know the people at the tables and and some of the press folks around there. Uh, they are now not allowing uh, what one thing that was happening that I think uh, everybody recognized could be an extra problem was fraternizing during the shoot around is that uh, so they're keeping the team separated there. I know people think, well, they're about to go out and play on the floor. But, Mark, you and I talked about this earlier. There are guys on that bench 
and their assistant coaches and things are doing it or aren't going to be out on that floor during the game. And I think you minimize the amount of people that you're around. It, 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 it is helpful in some way. So I think uh, they're being really, really fluid. And you made the point when we were talking earlier, too. Uh, they handled the bubble thing very well. When they had the breakouts, they found out that people were breaking protocol. Um, They've got credibility, Johnny. They've got credibility. And they have compliance guys there now to make sure that guys don't fraternize. There's a compliance guy on on the floor making sure that doesn't happen. Uh, Adam Silver has proven himself to be pretty pretty agile with this stuff. And uh, though there have been discussions, yes. discussions of, uh, of a two-week pause, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to be able to continue to play. And, uh, and and I hope so. Uh, but that's just because I get a frontline view of it right now. I can say that uh, a lot of changes, um, uh, some subtle changes and some that are very, very visible early on uh, that they're that they're making uh, now to try to not have to pause the season. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's you know, you can argue about methods and method methodology in terms of cities, states, governments, businesses doing what they need to do. Everyone seems to be sort of on their own on this, although yeah. maybe not, though maybe not in the future. Uh, and you can make all kinds of points and you can make kind of comparison charts about erring on this side or erring on that side. But in the yeah. end, as you mentioned, Johnny, the NBA has credibility. Yeah. They figured this thing out. And they are now not in a bubble. They're sort of in the Wild West, if you will. They're all over the country, mm-hmm. into Canada as well. And Well, not actually. Well, no, they're not going to Canada. You're right. The, the teams are, are well, staying here. But they're all over the country. Employed. Yes, exactly. And, and we all praise God for that. Um, Maybe not except always. perhaps you. <laughs> but at any rate, they – you know, I, I just think you have to give the NBA, are you kidding me, the benefit of any doubt. Yeah. And the fact that they're erring on this side and they've got compliance officers to make sure it happens. Just, I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's. I don't have any problem with that at all, no matter how much you say, oh, we sweat and play with each other yeah. for 48 minutes. Look, it doesn't matter. And and for players, just remind you, if, if the game gets paused or the game stops, I mean, and people stop coming, then money's going to stop rolling in and, you know, Commerce talks um, always to, to have to jump through a couple of more hoops so we can continue to play, I think, is a, it, it's a small price to pay. Right. It, Especially it, with it, an organization that's proven themselves to be pretty competent with this. Yeah, absolutely. So fingers crossed they can keep it going. College basketball, too. I know it's difficult as we're moving into big numbers right now. But uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we all owe it a little bit of a debt of gratitude to the NBA and Major League Baseball who started this because. People may forget that there was a there was a period there for Major League Baseball for about three weeks where every show uh, we were like, what's tomorrow? They're going to shut it down tomorrow. And they were able to keep it going, too. And what it always came down to was people personally taking responsibility to follow uh, the the rules because this is unprecedented stuff. So when we worked, I think the lesson, Johnny, is that when we work together, when we when we when we are united, even if we disagree on policy or on protocols, when we work together, we can do whatever we want in this country. We have the kind of resources, brain power, and the like to get what to solve any problem. All right. I, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a absolutely statement. Is that a political statement? Of course, absolutely not. A statement not. of fact. No, it's very patriotic. Program. Americans it work together. We can do anything. So there you go. <laughs>
Now, we work together to wrap this up. Uh, I'm actually going to go uh, have a beer with a couple of people. Well, that's nice. I'm going to cook dinner for the uh, for the kids. And when I say the kids, my daughter and uh, my son-in-law. And uh, there it is. We're back home in Orlando. Taylor's gotten her uh, vaccine. New York deemed her essential. And uh, we drove up there, got it done, and uh, we're back down now. So everything's copacetic. Not only has Florida not deemed me essential, I received a letter from the government, uh, the state government, that said not only am I not in line to get the vaccine, uh, they are going going to demand demand that they uh, rescind vaccines I was given earlier. Just for and and I quote, and this was on you know state letterhead, but sure, and I quote official. for the good of man. Wow, so, wow, my goodness, yeah. Johnny. Yeah, they're going to so, rescind earlier vaccines. You got yeah. So I could. How I, do they do that? Do they take it out of your bloodstream, or uh, how that work? Apparently, I I was given a date and a time and some place to show up, and I don't know. Maybe a garage, some sort a of organ removal occur. Yeah, yeah. It's just. You know, a government oh, black no. site where I'm yeah, just boom. taken in, and it's like, uh, yeah, uh, all that, uh, all that stuff you've been spouting, <laughs> your liberal crap. Uh, hi, we're the we're the Star Chamber. It it ends we're, today. We're, it ends. We're gonna, in this second. We're gonna need your blood. Sorry, your blood. You're just the right <laughs> mix of Scotch, cheese whiz, and regret. <sighs> It's a pretty good algorithm, actually. It really is. <laughs> All right, everyone. Also a good afternoon we watching football. A little bit of cheese whiz, some scotch. A little cheese whiz. Regret scotch, that you bet. Regret. <laughs> you bet the some wrong team. Star tra- Chamber's going to come after you. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the football, Johnny. Uh, good luck. I know you're in the middle of your, your major week. Yep, got the got the heat again tomorrow night. Lost a game to the heat. Uh, got the heat again tomorrow. I, I want to say something. Before we go, the last last word on this. All this complaining I do that they don't play defense in the NBA early in the season. Eh, it's uh there's there's a lot of defense being played. Good. A lot, lot more than I expected, to be to be honest. Good to see the Heat trying to get off off the Schneid. They have a little bit of a uh, you know slow start. Eric Spolstra, you know, uh, it's it's up in the air right now if he's one of the all-time greats, depending on how they finish. Or is he on the hot seat? I think that's the question right, right now. Either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Pat Riley's ready to pull the trigger on this thing, put himself back on the bench. You want to do that before it gets too bad, Mark. That's the thing. You want to fire the guy before it bottoms out. So, it's true. Uh, it's what the Marlins did in 97 with Jack McKeon. It's what uh, Pat Riley himself did in 06 hmm. with, uh, I don't know, was it Rick Carlisle? I don't know who the hell was the uh, – coach before uh, Riley put himself on there for the 06 team. At any rate, we are done for tonight. We've had a good time. Uh, I like these evening shows, Johnny. And uh, we'll talk to everyone on Monday. Have a good time uh, this weekend, John, with uh, your work, with making money in the world. <laughs> yeah, Well done. Awesome. And enjoy the football on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Talk yeah, to you should later. Be fun. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.